Hi there, and welcome back to The Fuse Show. I'm one of your hosts, David Tran, and I'm also a co-founder of Exfusion.io. And today I'm joined by my guest, Ricardo Pero. He's a co-founder and CEO of Sellers Funding, the all-in-one financial solution platform designed for growing e-commerce merchants. Thanks for joining us on the show, Ricardo. Hi. Hi, David. Thanks for having me here. So what led you to start a business in this industry? Um, interesting question. I, and I, I tell this story quite often, you know, I was, uh, I came from a finance background. I spent most of my career working for, for like big banks and in 2016, I left the, the industry and I had two things in mind. I, I knew that I wanted to, to build something, uh, like a company from the ground up. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to learn something new and, but I also wanted to, to take all the years, uh, that I had spent in the financial industry and, and leverage that experience and, and, and bring that to, to my, my business. Right. And for a few months, I, I ended up doing some consulting jobs here and there. And one day I received a phone call from a friend of mine. Um, he was a wholesaler selling through his own website, decided to take a chance and start selling products on, on Amazon. Mm -hmm. He saw his sales grow from like $50,000 a month to $500,000 a month mm -hmm. within three months time. And he called me and said, man, I, I need help. Uh, I mean, my budget, forget it. Uh, I need to reorganize my finances. Uh, I need working capital because we are growing and I don't have the capital. And Amazon charges a lot of fees and I'd like to understand uh, and, and so I can plan better. I said, oh, piece of cake, right? Working capital, Amazon, multi-billion dollar industry, mm -hmm. e-commerce is booming. All banks must know about it. So I went there and went to the usual suspects, my former employers. <laughs> uh, and to my surprise, they had no clue about the industry. Hmm. I mean, banks usually rely on like a, I'd say, a, a, a very rigid credit underwriting process, right? And so they 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 look at you know FICO scores of all these of, of the owners. They look at you know receivables or physical assets that can be pledged to, to, to the credit facility. But when you look at the Amazon ecosystem and these, all these Amazon sellers, I mean, they usually start their businesses borrowing from their credit cards. So when is the right time for them to look for a larger credit facility? They are maxing out their credit cards and their FICO scores probably work. Hmm. Uh, Amazon has uh, um, some rules and restrictions on how sellers can reassign those receivables to uh, a third-party uh, company. So you cannot pledge your receivables to lower your cost of funds. I see. So in the end, you don't, you don't have too many options. The alternative to that, um, usually you have either some merchant cash advance options. Mm -hmm. And, and the other player that you had in this space was, is Amazon Lending. Uh, but Amazon Lending, uh, you cannot apply for a loan. 
you need to be invited. I see. So it was, okay, very limited options. I, 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 okay. Then I thought, there must be something here. I ended up finishing my uh, consulting job there. Uh, I spent about six months working with, with them. And then I said, I, I came back to them and said, I have this idea because if, if you guys who are experienced business people could not get a loan from a bank, I imagine that the thousands or millions of uh, small business that are starting to sell mm -hmm. will have even a harder time trying to find a, a viable solution there. Uh, they look at me and I ask them, I, I, I need your help because I wanted to model and create a credit model that relies on sales performance. Mm -hmm. uh, they look at me and say, who? We understand what you're trying to achieve, but we are not, uh, but kind of, we, we end up uh, partnering together in the beginning. Uh, I hired a couple of, of data scientists. We used the data from my friend's store mm -hmm. to start modeling stuff. His younger brother became my partner. He's the CTO <laughs> of the company, co-founder. Um, and that's how we started. We started actually funding uh, with our own money. Hmm. Uh, and it was a very interesting, <laughs> very interesting time of our lives when we were kind of exchanging PDFs via email. That's how we started, literally. Uh, and when you fast forward, we, we now have uh, a, a company that is fully digital. Uh, we, we end up evolving as a, as a business, as a company, uh, we realize, okay, Amazon is the biggest marketplace, uh, and represents about 50% of online sales mm -hmm. in the U S but you have, uh, I mean, e-commerce is much bigger than Amazon. Um, and when you think about the life cycle of all our clients, there are two ways that they try to differentiate themselves and try to grow outpacing the Amazon presence, right? Mm -hmm. They they usually, they try to search for ways, especially the, the, the guys that, that are building their own brands. Once they reach a certain level of sales, they start looking for ways to diversify away from Amazon, right? So they go to a big commerce, Shopify, all these omnichannel platforms. Walmart recently, has been, I would say, the fastest growing market, alternative marketplace uh, for most uh, brands that we work with. So we are seeing that. And what we did was, in, a, in, in, in an effort to help our clients to, to have a better understanding of their business and also consolidate their sales, we start integrating with all these different platforms. So in a way, when you look at Amazon Landing, for example, they look at the data and, and sales data mm -hmm. that happens on Amazon. Mm -hmm. They don't have access to data, what's happening on Walmart right. or e-commerce. And we have the ability to consolidate all this. So Amazon Landing has a maximum amount of $2 million. We have a cap at $5 million. Mm -hmm. So we, we work with brands that can you know borrow more and, and they have a stronger presence outside of Amazon and we, we brought that together. 
And, and the other thing was the, the international aspect, internationalization aspect of it. Uh, if you go anywhere, if you look at the Amazon ecosystem, any marketplace, US, Canada, UK, Germany, locals, they represent about half of the company selling there. Hmm. The other half are foreigners. And then I, I thought, okay, e-commerce is a global phenomenon. If I'm not addressing all foreign companies selling here, I'm going to be turning my, I'm, I'm turning my back on half of the addressable market. So I had to expand my, our mindset and that's when we start building our digital banking platform. So nowadays we have the ability to collect receivables in, in US dollars, in, in Canadian dollars, pounds, euros. We are going to Asia, we are going to, <clears throat> to other countries. So we are expanding our capabilities there quite fast. And I'm very happy with the results we got so far. How do you know that this time was the right time to start a business like sellers funding versus years ago or versus years down the line? Because I think idea yeah. is not as necessarily the most novel component, but timing is also super relevant. Yeah. It's, it's funny you mentioned, I, I, uh, I think that timing is probably, uh, the most important factor for any startup to, to be successful. It's not technology. It's not, I mean, it's time. Um, I always thought that e-commerce would, uh, outpace retail sales. Uh, that was, I mean, the growth was there and we were witnessing that. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you look at, for example, a country like the UK, where logistics are, you, you know, it's not a big issue. Um, and you have a lot of, of the flow, the flow concentrated in the metropolitan London area. Um, e-commerce represents, uh, used to represent when we started business, uh, used to represent about 20, between 20 and 25% of retail sales. Mm -hmm. The U in the US, that number was 10%. So I thought, okay, I mean, retail sales are flat, e-commerce is growing F about 15% year over year. Mm -hmm. That was the, the, the trajectory that we were witnessing there. Pre-COVID. I mean, pre-COVID, okay. this is pre-COVID. So I thought, okay, I mean, if we continue that trend, we're going to see, uh, maybe in, in, in five years, we're going to see the U.S. e-commerce industry doubling in size. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's the, that's a huge opportunity because it's mainly comprised of SMEs, small business. Uh, they don't have access to credit and they will demand that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and that's how, and then COVID, I mean, after two years, COVID happened and, and then my five years became five months, right? <laughs> uh, so that was kind of, uh, being in the right place at the right time. Hmm. Um, but we are, I, I, I think that we, we did a good job and let me tell you, uh, after two years we were growing, I mean, we grew like 300% year over year consistently since we started the business. Mm -hmm. 
but at some point I had some some pressure from uh, from existing investors saying, well, why don't you uh, start diversifying to, to other industries? Because we had good results mm -hmm. with e-commerce, but we were not maybe growing as fast as they, they wanted. And, and I said, you know what? I, I mean, that's our edge. That's where I think that we, we are positioned. This is a long-term play. We have this view. We have this conviction. Let's stick with it. And then I think we were right. Hmm. So when you're talking about your MVP of people, you, you were using your own money and you were like sending out emails and with PDFs. How, how'd you figure out how to do like lending as a lender starting from the ground up? Like how challenging was that? It's, um, it, it was actually because of my background. Uh, the, the last few years, I, the last eight years of my banking career, I, I worked for JP Morgan Chase, mm -hmm. not necessarily in the credit department, but I was part of the risk management committee. And I learned a lot about that. Um, I, so for me, it was kind of, uh, I saw an opportunity and, you know, since then we've been, you know, uh, improving and investing a lot in in our credit underwriting procedures and in our technology and i always think that if you look at our trust pilot reviews customer reviews you're going to see that a lot of our reviews are praising and naming their relationship manager mm. or the, the person who helped them on board and, and so on because i always i think the technology mm -hmm. is here to help us make faster and better decisions. Mm -hmm. But we need to keep the human aspect of it. And I invest a lot on, on, on that. We have a sales team that is extremely engaged in supporting our, our clients. And look at all the things that we did uh, from a technology perspective. Uh, we recently, uh, start offering a free dashboard where our clients can look at their financial uh, statements. They they can look at PNL. They can look at margins. Mm -hmm. They can look at uh, the contribution of their sales across different per product or per segment. Uh, this dashboard is called Seller Signals. I mean, some of our uh, clients used to pay to have that view from from to. To pay to pay different software companies to have that view. Now they have that for free mm. in our dashboard. So because I think that provide providing that support to our clients to make better decisions and having a, a better uh, financial education to manage their business in the long run will be mutually beneficial mm -hmm. for them and for us. Right. Right. So we see ourselves as more as growth partners than lenders per se. I see. Yeah. Yeah. So as a growth partner, when you're getting started, you are putting your own money at risk. I'm assuming knowing that you could lose technically all of it. Yes. Okay. And how do you know how to build the appropriate credit model since I'm assuming you're building one in-house? It's um, at the beginning, it's trial and error. Okay. <laughs> Yes, there is no, 
Uh, what happened uh, when we built the model was we start landing in November 2017. From November 2017 to February 18, we pretty much lent, lent money to anyone that could that would be barely eligible because we were looking okay uh, the right credit model if i start lending only to people that have stellar performance mm -hmm. i don't know if my credit model based on sales will work or not it's true yeah yeah so you you lend to as many people as you can and then after you have a number of of existing loans you're going to start monitoring you're going to see if the model that you build has some adherence to mm -hmm. to the performance and that's that's how we did so from november to february we lent to november 17 to february 18 we lent to everybody mm -hmm. that knocked on our door we learned our lessons then we kind of okay now let's look at the results and let's start working on on improving the model and we in march 18 we launched the the first version of the satisfying app hmm. that was already a digital experience for our clients to to apply and, and get funded so it's all like a, it comes in waves it doesn't uh, there's no secret sauce you need yeah. to it's trial and error trial and error and then you need to improve and make twists uh tweaks here and there to to make those improvements if you look at today we have more than 30,000 registered users in the platform and uh, a, a good percentage of those users they they share their data so we have daily hmm. data supporting uh, or, or or feeding our models And because the model is all based on sales predictions, <laughs> like future cash flow prediction, so we need that data to support our decision making process. Uh, and I, I think that we 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 are in a very good spot. We we the results. Every time that I talk to investors and I look at ways, we I mean as a as a lender, I'm always my crusade is always have the lowest cost of capital possible so i can extend that benefit to our bonds mm -hmm. right um and when i share the results of uh what we achieved so far i mean people are really impressed uh it's uh, i would say it's it's something that I'm, i'm proud of um and i think that our clients are benefiting from, hmm. from that too earlier you're mentioning how due to covid five years of digital transformation has shrunk it down to five months. Now yes. that we're where we are today, what do you see as the new five-year projection? Or what is your predictions about the future of e-commerce now? I think that we, 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 we're going through a structural shift from retail, from brick and mortar to e-commerce. I mean, we are here. I mean, now it, I think that we're going to continue outgrow traditional retail. But things will, I mean, we won't see the, the, the growth rate that we saw, we witnessed in the last 18 months or, or so. I think this, this year we're going to see strong growth still, but it's going to start to, and this whole shift also 
created uh, negative, some negative impact in other industries, mm. right? Uh, if you look today, uh, I mean, all our borrowers, all our clients are having issues with the supply chain. Right. Right. Um, and so there will be some adjustments there. But I honestly, I think that e-commerce still, uh, it's going to outpace and we're going to continue to grow and, and probably, uh, I would say in five, in five years, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we are, you know, half of retail sales or 40% of retail sales are happening online. Hmm. So you, you just mentioned the disruptions to the supply chains. What do you feel like are some of the underappreciated challenges in e-commerce logistics? Oh, it's, um, it's the, the, the challenge that we, we are seeing, it's kind of, if you look at, uh, and maybe deviate a little bit about the, the supply chain issue, okay. but it's more, it, it's, it's something that is way bigger than supply chain. It's how people react to this pandemic, right? If, I mean, we grew our team from 25 employees to 120. It's extremely hard to find talent these days because people, they are reevaluating their priorities in life, right? So some, some folks, they decide, okay, I'm not going to work or I'm going to take a, like a part-time job that I'm going to work remotely and that's it. I don't need that. I, I don't know what's going to happen with mankind in five years. So <laughs> why should I bother? I don't know. Some people think like that. Hmm. And, um, and when you look at the supply chain, it's not that manufacturers don't want to provide the goods. Right. It's, that you know they are having they are facing challenges with safety for their employees mm. they they are facing challenges to get new workers to to go to those factories mm -hmm. right and um so yeah I, I think that the the entire ecosystem is not only related to e-commerce i mean the relationship between manufacturers and, and and consumers will and, and buyers will change uh, and it's changing and i remember that i mean when i was in in business school and before that in my undergrad there was always you know this uh fear of what automation in factories can can cause to unemployment rates mm -hmm. right, there was all that discussion and i mean Look, I, I think that if we had more automation, it would be positive for us right now because people don't want to go to factories, to mm -hmm. right? So this is, I mean, we completely deviate, but it's something that that is broader than e-commerce, it's broader than supply chain. I mean, I think that we are all reevaluating our priorities in life and we are all looking for ways to work from home. Like, and we are having this call, we were just chatting that, uh, you know, we, we, we have the flexibility, we have, we must have that mindset of, uh, of offering, uh, this flexibility to, to our employees. And this is, this is happening everywhere.
how has COVID, I guess, led you to reevaluate your priorities or were you doing that prior to COVID? How did COVID affect your, like, like I guess, your queue of priorities? Um, it, I mean, it changed. Uh, <laughs> it changed a lot. Um, if you look at priorities in life, um, I mean, I went through a, a very rough phase during COVID. I ended up getting divorced. Uh, it was... Uh, it was something that wasn't expected, but it's kind of, I'm probably not the only person that you know that went through a rough path uh, in their relationship during COVID. And, and, and I know a lot of folks that end up getting divorced or, or went through a, a rough path. It's, it's tough because uh, when I look at my my values, I always, I build this business, everything that I do, I do for my children. Hmm. That, that's my mindset. I, I, I think that I have this responsibility. It's not only, actually, we were t- was talking about this yesterday. I, I, I think that I will die uh, always chasing evolution. I think that I have the responsibility because I was giving the opportunity to contribute to society in general. Um, so I seek that constant evolution and, and I have that mindset. That's why I, I don't see ourselves as lenders. I see ourselves as growth partners. Hmm. I mean, it's kind of a reflection of that, right? And when I look at my personal priorities, I my children, I have drawings of them, uh, of, of them drawing me with the seller's funding shirt in my, in my office. And I, I went to spend the weekend with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they moved to Brazil after the divorce and um, they are there. I, I go and some, I go to spend the weekend with them. It's important for me to have that time. They come to the US and we spend vacation with me. So it's kind of a, uh, we talk every day and this is a priority for me. I have blocked in my, my schedule 30 minutes uh, each day in the middle of the day just to check on them mm-hmm. and then we speak in the evening. So it's kind of, that's who I am. That's my, um, but they, I was there and I, I, I was wearing a, a satisfying hat when I arrived at, uh, at the airport and my daughter was there and she, Took immediately the hat, put on her her head and said, "This is this is mine. Bye." <laughs> it's kind of they incorporate and they value that. Hmm. I mean, it's. I think that we, as as a businessman and as a father, I want to lead by example. Mm-hmm. Um, I was joking with my partner uh, one day. We were talking about you know why we work so well together. And I, I, I look at him and I said, man, you know why I think that we, we work so well? I, I never met someone that I had the impression that worked harder than me. And he looked at me and said, I feel the same. <laughs> so I like that. 
But yeah, because it is when you when you are in a relationship and a business yeah. person that you think that you are giving more than the other. I mean, creates imbalances, right? Thankfully, we don't have that here. I mean, it's not only that, but you look at our business. Uh, we we have about forty percent of our employees own a piece of the company. And the 60 that don't, they don't because they they join us in like throughout the year and they they will get a piece of the company in the next bonus time, mm-hmm. right? Because we we promote that engagement. I mean, if you're not a hundred percent bought into our our view and in, into what we want to achieve here, I mean, you're not a good fit. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of uh, so it's a long loop to, to say, you know, priorities and, 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 and things. And, and I think that during this pandemic, everything got exacerbated. I mean, our priorities became really me. This is going to be a priority. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I need to, you know, to, to be happy. I need to deliver the things that I, I want to, to achieve in life. And I'm going to go and, and, and get those. You know, it's it's fun. It was a fun ride. It's been a fun ride so far. If you can instill just one value into your children, what value would that be? And it could be work or not work related. Oh, uh, this is something that I learned from from my dad. Hmm. I respect others, regardless of their, you know, economic condition, their background, their, you know, color, whatever. I mean. There is one, I always remember this, uh, I was about six or seven years old and uh, he was driving me to a birthday party uh, that was invited on the weekend. And we ended up driving into, uh, I am originally from Brazil, mm-hmm. so, um, and we were driving through a, a neighborhood that wasn't the same neighborhood that I used to live, or I lived it back then. Kind of more humble houses and everything. And I made a comment. I, I had a, a friend in the car, and I made a comment. I, I said something like, "Oh, I hope that we don't, uh, we don't, uh, the party is not in one of these houses, or something like that." My dad stopped the car, looked at me, and said, "You know what?" If it is one in one of these houses, you should feel honored because probably your friend's parents don't have the condition that we have to throw a party and they invited you. So you got to respect that. This is a lesson that I learned and I never, I was six years old and I actually went to take my second shot and I took my kids with me and we were in line waiting and I look at them and said, what are you seeing here? They look at me, what do you mean? He said, what are you seeing here? Said, a bunch of people. I said, do you see that we are all in line waiting to get a, a shot? They said, yes. Okay. What's the point? It doesn't matter how old you are, 
how tall, how short, how fat, how thin, what what color you are. If I mean, doesn't matter anything. In the end, we are all in the same line to get this shot. We are all equals. I mean, that's the message that we need to deliver because that's what what matters, right? <laughs> if you have so, yeah, that's it. I like it. Thanks for sharing that. Well, out of respect for your time, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for joining us in the show. And I just want to give you the stage now for the people in the audience who want to know more about your uh, business or follow you personally. What's the best way for them to do so? Yeah, so sellersfunding.com um, is still the name. Like I said, we will probably make some changes next year. Uh, Sellers Funding will be, uh, if you don't work with us, uh, Take a look. We support small businesses that sell online. Uh, we support direct-to-consumer brands that sell online. Um, financially, um, we have a digital platform where we offer lending, we offer payment solutions uh, to e-commerce sellers. Uh, I have my Instagram. I'm lousy at you know posting stuff on Instagram, probably. Uh, have someone in the team, in the marketing team that needs to, to do a better job <laughs> there too. Uh, and you can also find me on LinkedIn, Ricardo, Ricardo Peron. Sounds good. Well, thanks again for your time, Ricardo. Well, thank you.